Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. We're breaking down, re-breaking down, our picks for the majors and the Ryder Cup this season because a lot has changed since Kyle Porter and I uh, did this before the season started. So let's bring in the team. We'll start with you, Kyle. Kyle, I think that we we did like a way too early majors preview back in, I want to say, December, which feels like a thousand years ago. It, <laughs> it it feels like we've done this same podcast like six times in the last uh, three weeks, even though I, yeah, it was, I think it was only once and it was somewhere between a thousand and eleven hundred years ago. Yeah, we're, we'll, we'll narrow down the, the exact time frame, but it was a while ago. Uh, let's also bring in Mark Immelin. Hey, Mark, how's it going? Cool. How are you? I, I missed the clothing memo, apparently. Uh, looking at Carl, he looks like he's just checked in from Iceland or the North Pole. Or, uh, and yeah, the rest of us are sitting in golf shirts and t-shirts. Um, but all good. Otherwise, we, we're fine. Yeah, man. That is uh, the look that Kyle has looks like what Jason Day would wear. Like, <laughs> like the, the puffy vest, right? That's uh-huh. straight out of the J-Day collection. I'm pretty positive about it. Yeah, I was going for the hood. I've got a hood on, so I was going for the Justin Thomas look, actually. There you go. Well, you're nailing uh, it, man. And also, uh, let's bring in Greg Ducharme, who's rocking, I believe that's Coastal Carolina. Is that uh, DJ's alma mater? Is that right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. And my alma mater. Uh, I don't know which one's <laughs> more important, but yes. Uh, <laughs> so go Coastal. Go Coastal. All right. So, gentlemen, uh, what we're going to do is we'll go through each one of these majors, chat through uh, what might have changed with the new time slot, uh, if that impacts anybody, and we'll run through who are now updated Pixar. We've got a little bit more information since the last time we've done a show like this. Uh, obviously, the Open Championship has been canceled, so that will not be included in our show today. But let's start with the PGA Championship. And, and Kyle, I want to start with you for a little bit of news because there's there's been a, a you know some statements coming out about the PGA Championship. You know, it seems uh, the PGA Championship, the PGA of America is getting set up for three different options, right? Uh, Having this played with spectators at Harding Park in August, having it played with without spectators in August at Harding Park. And then the third option would be having it played somewhere completely else in the United States at either in the same time slot or another time. So we're going to continue with this kind of likely being played at Harding Park without fans does that seem like the most reasonable solution as of right now i i think so i've gone back and forth on this i was talking to some friends about this i think yesterday or maybe the day before and i i do think you get the sense as as people start to open up the conversation about kind of restarting the country so to speak it does feel feasible i think to play professional golf events with without fans now you start throwing fans in there and that gets a little that to me that gets a little dicey but I, I I don't I don't think it's unreasonable to think you could play 
some of these majors just without fans. I, I, I think that's actually, I, I don't know. I'm starting to feel more optimistic about that being within the realm of possibility. I am too. And Mark, you're there on site and I, I don't have it in front of me, but I think um, this, the, the, the article that came out about the PGA of America, even with a, a fanless uh, event, you're still talking about like a thousand people on site, something like that between players, caddies, uh, anybody, you know, the staff that needs to be there, whatever number of volunteers that ends up being, but like, it's still pretty sizable, but you're kind of spread out, right? I mean, you, you know, from experience better than most. Yeah, you really are. And the thing to bear in mind for two of the three venues, Augusta national, notwithstanding in this situation, you're talking about Harding park in San Francisco. Most of the fans, if it does happen, are more than likely going to be taking public transport out there. And it's been proven that that's a real bugaboo when it comes to transmission of this disease. Because where the golf course is located close to Olympic, it's sort of out of the way a little bit, even though it's a public park. So the fans will have to take the public transport to get there. Uh, there's not much parking around the place. And the same thing for Wing Foot. Um, you know, you've got, you've got folks from all over the New York and the metropolitan region there, and they'd be coming in by trains and buses and that sort of deal. So, yeah, I, I, I think the, the, the fan list event for those first two are more than likely. For the Masters, most folks come by car because there's not much public transport in Augusta, in Augusta Georgia. Um, but that all being said, there's a lot of folks that make an event go ahead from television crew um, to all the volunteers, to all the media. Um, and, and so there's still a lot of folks on site. Um, to that, uh, a lot of TVs, companies and networks have been looking into reduced um, people on the ground just to sort of keep the social distancing thing alive. So as I sit right now, I mean, I'm really hopeful I'm with Carl and I got, I've got a good sense about me now, but still I feel like we may see a lot of events, including these majors later in the year, that may be without fans, but just uh, the broadcast companies knocking out the broadcast because we've seen how with the recent broadcast of the Masters on the weekend, uh, they can make a lot of fun. You know, you bring in Phil and Tiger and all of a sudden you can watch something old and it becomes brand new. Yeah, that, that surely was uh, something special. So, uh, Greg, let's start with you, man. We'll, we'll let you get your first, your first picks in here. PGA Championship, uh, TPC Harding Park, Rory McIlroy, is your odds-on favorite at eight to one, followed by the usual cast of sus suspects: Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, John Rahm, Justin Thomas, and of course Tiger Woods. There, all between eleven and fourteen to one. But even deeper than that, uh, there's there's going to be big names at every single one of these events. Is there someone or some ones who stand out most to you? Dustin Johnson has my interest. I'm I'm very very interested in Dustin Johnson for a couple reasons. One. These are one. I'm wearing a Coastal Carolina shirt. Yeah, <laughs> <Funny>. <laughs> um, three. I don't know if anybody mentioned this, but I'm wearing a Coastal Carolina shirt. Uh, oh, now, you are. I just it, noticed that, you know. Yes. <laughs> Go Chanticleers. So anyway, that, by the way, is a, uh, a mystical, quick thinking rooster that dominates the barnyard. You can look that up there just like that. Hey, your, your, that. your story sounded cool until you shared that nugget. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, oh, I digress. <laughs> Dustin Johnson. Uh, the the interesting thing about this is we're looking at really high stress times, and Dustin Johnson to me is a very low stress individual. I don't see him as a guy that's going to get worked up. Are we going to play? Are we not? Are there going to be fans there? Are there not? I, I think he's kind of flatlined. I don't think he's really going to care. I don't think his his game is 
extremely volatile. I worry with, about uh, rust with him a little bit less. I think by the time we get to a PGA Championship it, later in September, I think his knee will be back to healthy. I think he'll have things in order. He also um, lives at least part-time in, in Florida. So, And I know there are some courses where he's a member that are still open now. So I know he's been able to get some – at least had the option to get practice in. Whether he is or not, we don't know. So Dustin Johnson, to me, with all of his talent uh, and his kind of general attitude, I think, I think he's going to be a really good pick at the PGA. From a value standpoint, Greg, I'm, I'm trying to run through my database very quickly here. I, I'm pretty sure these are the best odds you would have gotten on Dustin Johnson at, call it 11, 12, depending on where yeah. you're getting him, uh, that you would have gotten in probably the last couple of years. Well, so with DJ here, he didn't really leave this break on a high note. He left kind of playing a little, it was just a little wishy-washy. It wasn't great. The thing is, I don't think that has any, I don't think that carries along with him. We've seen him lose heartbreaking major championships and he wakes up the next day and it's like it never even happened. He's, he's unaffected by it. So I look at that past play. I don't think that's a big deal. I think he's kind of going about his business and with all of his talent uh, and, and with these odds too. I mean, you're, you're, you're not going to beat him. Yeah. Speaking of odds, uh, Kyle, after our original show um or during our original show i had mentioned to you that i already had a future bet on sung jay to win <laughs> this pga championship at 140 to one he's currently 50 to one so i'm like loving life at the moment obviously still <laughs> still a pretty pretty big long shot here so i'm i'm still in on sung jay but i mean rory's eight to one we've seen him win the match play here at tpc harding park is he just gonna run through and, and win the pga championship too yeah, I think he could. You know, I, I think another guy that kind of sticks out to me as I'm just looking through this, it, you know, some, a lot of this stuff's so hard because you're going to be in a situation, especially with the PGA Championship, where there's not a lot of, like, runway going into it. Yeah. And so you, you, you can't it, – it's going to be hard to be like, oh, well, so-and-so has been great in his last six events. Well, yeah, his sixth event was, like, a year and a half ago. Like, I, I, that doesn't mean anything, you know? So – I don't know. I look at somebody like Terrell Hatton at 80. I think that's an awesome number. Like he, he's, he to me is somebody who um, his, his odds don't match like how good he is just because he's not a big name. Nobody's like, Oh man, I wish I was on Terrell Hatton this weekend, <laughs> you know? So I just, I, I, I think guys like that kind of lower down um, could, I don't know. To me, there's a lot of value there, maybe even more so than usual going into an event like this. Uh, Hatton, and we we both know this is a very small sample size, Kyle, but uh, currently having one of the most historic strokes gained total seasons yeah. of all time. Yeah, we go. It's strokes like, gained again. It's oh, like geez. it's like Tiger, 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 Rory, sorry, Jim, and then Terrell Hatton. <laughs> like that's like sorry, Jim. That's like the whole that's like the whole list. So that's that's pretty interesting. Okay, Mark, if we're not doing uh, if we're not doing strokes gained, uh, who are you looking for? at this year's 2020 PGA Championship. Well, you know, while Kyle Sudney and you guys brought up the strokes gain thing, I checked out, as you can imagine, and I was sitting here in my studio. <laughs> and, and I was fiddling around the place. I found a cap and a clip. I mean, what does this remind you of, Kyle? Uh, well, Phil's yeah, there you go. Okay. greatest loss. Exactly. No, it's, so I'm not picking Phil, even though I'm, I'm meddling around here. Look, um, Harding Park... I was out there a few months ago. It feels like a year ago. Um, 
and the way the golf course is being set up, it is going to play along, you know, with the, uh, the ocean breezes that come in and it's a bit cooler. It's kind of a damp air, but it is narrow, man. And that golf course moves in both directions, draws and fades off the tee. And so I looked at this and I looked at the, the severity of the rough right off the fairway. And if you miss wide, then you're in, in those cypress trees and you've basically got nothing. So it's going to ask you to drive the golf ball. And then the Poania greens, in my opinion, sort of mitigate good putters. So I looked at guys that could drive the thing pretty well and then who have been successful on the West Coast. And, you know, a few guys sort of popped out to my mind. But in terms of just the odds, Webb Simpson won just up, just over the road there at the U.S. Open at, at Olympic. He's 40 to 1. He drives the thing great. He's like 50s. He's something like in 15th or something in the, uh, on, on par five scoring on the PGA tour. He's not as long, but he wedges the ball great. And so that says to me, and he works in that area a lot, that if you miss fairways, you could put a wedge in play. He's had success on the Poanio green. So, so my first pick at 40 to one, I've got to go Webb because he's proved he can win out there and he's got the kind of game. I, I think that will sort of withstand the, 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 the endless challenge that this golf course is going to pitch at you. Uh, I love that because Webb is Webb's basically 40 to one in every single one of these events. He's never going to get down uh, in fields these deep, despite what I believe him being one of the top players in the world. I, I love that Mark. Um, so for us, it sounds like we like Webb, we like DJ, we like Terrell Hatton. We like Sung Jay. Of course, that's a, that's an automatic. Uh, Greg, let's go back to you and turn our attention a little bit to Winged Foot here for the U.S. Open. Now, you're kind of in, in the backyard over there, right? Give us a little scouting report of what we can expect from Winged Foot now, kind of looking forward to September. -September. It, if this happens as planned, it will be awesome. Fans or not, it will be awesome. This place in the later part of the fall, and earlier I said the PGA Championship was going to be in later September. I, I meant the U.S. Open in later September, PGA obviously in August. Um, so anyway, U.S. Open in later September will be fantastic. When you get up here in the Northeast, the greens, they, they get really, really quick, and they can get pretty firm. In my opinion, September is the best month in, in New York. Uh, in especially southern New York you get into the middle of September it gets a little bit cooler the nights get a little cooler um, probably still early enough where you're not going to have any frost delays you may see some sweaters in the morning you'll see probably regular golf shirts in the afternoon it is beautiful so the weather is going to be as good as it can be the golf course is going to be in phenomenal shape they have all this time right now as as uh their golf course is now closed and they are going to, at least for the time being, that rough is going to get really thick and there's no play out there. It, it's going to be, it's going to be thick. And I think this is going to be one of the more difficult U S opens we've seen uh, in a, in a very, very long time. Okay. So with that being said, there Rory McIlroy is not the favorite here, Greg Brooks Kepka is at eight to one, your boy DJ and Rory are next at 10 and then you see Tiger Woods at 14, and I'm already looking for who I think are probably the second and third best golfers in the world, John Rahm and Justin Thomas. Both of them are at 20 to 1. I'll, I'll flip a coin. I'll take them both, Greg. I don't really care. Those to me, like those guys stand out as absolutely able to win obviously any event, but something that, you know, a U.S. Open to be played at, at Wingfoot later in the year. 
couple things that stick out to me at Wingfoot. I, I don't know if this is a great favorites kind of a golf course. Uh, a lot of the, a lot of the real big hitters today, a lot of the guys near the top of the world golf rankings like to fade the ball. And of course they can hit draws as they want. If, if you watch them at masters last year, we just watched the 2019 replay. You see a lot of guys uh, moving it right to left off the tee. So they're capable of that. Um, but they prefer fades, particularly Tiger, particularly Brooks Kepka. And Wingfoot, a lot of those tee shots, they dogleg to the left and they have a reverse camber to the right. And with the narrow fairways, I predict they'll be on the firmer side in, in the middle of September. I think you're going to see a lot, of, a lot of golf balls running uh, into the rough. And for guys that, that are hitting fades, it, it asks you for a lot of draws. I, I would definitely say it's a drawers golf course. To me, one of the guys that I'm looking at is Xander Shoffley. Another guy I'm looking at, uh, despite the fact that he can be a little inaccurate off the tee is uh, is a Patrick Reed. Patrick Reed to me moves it very well right to left. And he's got that kind of short game. The key at wing foot guys are going to miss fairways. Guys are going to miss a lot of greens. The bunkers are really deep. Short game is going to be really important. Uh, I think you'll see an over par winner. And in a tournament like that, Patrick Reed is going to be great. And I think Xander Shoffley is, is, uh, is still, he was my guy back in, uh, in December. And I, I'm still sticking with him for now. Xander at 25 to one. Patrick Reed, I also had a little check mark next to at 40 to one. I, I like the right to left, and I just don't think this guy's ever going away. I think he's just going to continue to contend. He's going to continue to make yeah. noise all year long. We're going to have to talk about him, and it is what it is. Uh, Kyle, you took probably, uh, I think, the longest shot of the four of us for the PGA Championship. Greg thinks that the U.S. Open might not be – a good event for the favorites. Are you going a little deeper down the board here as well? No, I'm, I'm off the top where you mentioned uh, Justin Thomas to me sticks out here at 20. I mean, I think that, you know, if I look at him and Rom, I just, it, and especially Greg talking about how Wingfoot's going to play. It's hard for me to envision Rom being able to keep his, keep himself together for 72 holes. I just feel like there's going to be two, three, four holes where he just gets a little, he gets a little wayward, you know, and, and that's not, it, it is what it is. Like, that's just him at a U.S. Open. I think that JT has really, I don't know, man, I, I think he's matured over the last few years in a way that is, um, I think you see it in his finishes at major championships. It takes a, um, it takes a maturity mentally to be able to hang in and hang in and hang in and have a shot at the very end of a major. And so I just think his game, fits a place like that he doesn't have holes um he's an unbelievable iron player his short game is so good and it's going to need to be great uh, at a place like wingfoot in the fall so i i don't know i love him there jordan speed at 22 to 1 is what is that is that a typo should it be 220 to 1 that's bad wait till you see what he is at augusta hold on i, I won't spoil it yet but uh oh, yeah weird. i mean it's <laughs> i don't i don't get that at all but I'm with I'm with what Rick said earlier. I, give me like four web tickets just across the board, or wh however many majors we're playing. I've lost count of of what all is going to be played, but I just think that his numbers do not match up with how good he's actually been. Now, you know, I was looking at his stats today. He's he's his driving is it's not good, but the thing is, it's never really been good, and right. and it hasn't it hasn't kept him from winning the U.S. Open. It hasn't kept him from finishing in the top five at 
a Masters. It hasn't kept him from winning a Players Championship. I think he's another guy that you, you have to look at at Wingfoot that could have a have a real shot. Yeah, I tell Webb, Webb can hit a fairway when he needs to, and that's the thing yeah. that I like about Webb in in tournaments like this. He he may not be the longest driver. His accuracy is maybe a little maybe a little more inaccurate than you'd like for a guy of his distance. But when he needs to, he can hit fairway. All right, Mark, we've got some love for JT. We've got some love for Patrick Reed. We've got some Xander love out there. Who are you loving on? Uh, well, let's just first to the conversation, recognize that Webb currently is the ninth ranked golfer in the world. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you don't stumble into the top 10 in the world's rankings. I mean, you've got some <laughs> game about you then. So, so, I mean, I'm with Kyle. You can plug Webb in anywhere because the thing that I think Greg pointed out that's so appropriate when it comes to wing foot is the Tillinghast design, he loved golf holes to move in the opposite direction of the camera. So if you can turn a ball into the slope on that off the tee, it's kind of, it's, it's lending itself in your favor. And that's why in the previous US Open edition there, you've got Jeff Ogilvie, who basically moves the ball from right to left. Yeah, obviously was successful there. Phil, the left-hander, was going um, from right to left to fade for him. Um, and he was a factor. And then, of course, Colin Montgomery, he was sort of the outlier because he moved the, the ball in the opposite direction. But he put the ball in play on the, off, off the tee, and that's kind of what he does, and he hangs around. So, so to that, it's going to be a war of attrition. It's going to test you mentally and emotionally. It's going to be hard. So, uh, you know, those sorts of situations, it makes it tough for the top-ranked guys because it, it's a challenge. And if you're not patient, it's going to catch up with you. So when Xander jumped out to me. I mean, he jumped off the page at 25 to 1. Um, I'm, I'm very much on board. But then as I just was glancing around the place and sort of thinking about the golf course, Tommy Fleetwood is 33 to 1. Yeah. Let's acknowledge that this guy is due. Um, he's got, he doesn't really have a weakness in the game. He's got the sort of way about him that he doesn't leap to the front of the leaderboards. He sort of hangs around. He lurks around. And all of a sudden, you look and the guy's in contention. So... I have a feeling that the Englishman coming in there, because remember now, the way this is all panning out, this is the week before the Ryder Cup. So these guys are going to be all jacked up, all ready to go. And so I feel like the, Euro, the Euros are going to sort of be excitable. And so you've got Fleetwood, who's a major championship hunter. And, and I just, I, I have a sense that, that, that he may play very well there. We've now gone through two full majors and have not mentioned Bryson DeChambeau's name one single time. Should we just shut shut the mics off and like uh, the, the guy's going to win one eventually here, right? He's breaking he's breaking but, the game, Kyle. But we're going to get a, he he doesn't have a top ten at a major. Finishing the top ten, my man. What's he played? Twelve of them. How many has he played? Ten. Yeah, 10, he hasn't played a ton. But I mean, it's kind of the Patrick Reed thing, right? Like he 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 didn't have a top ten for a long time. Then he finished second at that PGA at uh, where was that? The one JT won. Uh, Quail Hollow. Quail Hollow. Quail Hollow. There you go. And then he won the Masters. So, I th there is like I think it takes you don't I don't know I go back to Spieth like you don't just go win your first Masters like <laughs> even though he that's just so abnormal <laughs> yeah. and. So I think for guys, even that are really, really, really good, like Rom and JT and, and Bryson, I think there's just a learning curve at the majors like there maybe isn't at regular tour events. There's some and trivia for you, Kyle. Who, did, who was the player that did win his first Masters? Angel Cabrera, or not Angel Cabrera, uh, Fuzzy Zeller? Yeah, good boy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're going to get a second pick, aren't we? I mean, don't, don't. I, I may go Bryson for our second picks, right? 
There you go. If you want to lock in Bryson for your second pick, no, that'll work. <laughs> no, I don't. No, he doesn't want it. Uh, <laughs> such a tease. Uh, Soft. <laughs> all right, so here's here's what I've got so far. So PGA Championship. Greg uh, likes Dustin Johnson. Kyle likes Terrell Hatton. Mark likes Webb Simpson. Was that your Was that your pick for the PGA Championship? Yep. I like it. Uh, for the U.S. Open, Greg with Xander and Reed, which I can kind of endorse Reed a little bit as well. Uh, Kyle and myself liking Justin Thomas and Mark with Xander, Fleetwood, and he shied out on Bryson at the end there. Not at the U.S. Open, though. Mark's going to have picked like half the top 50 by the time we're, we're done. List, no, 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 Kaz. Uh, I've got a list full of guys here if you want to see, and I'm going through them. So there, you can... Yeah, I know. It's like the whole top 50. You're just going through them. <laughs> so have you picked someone from outside the top 50 yet, boss? Hey, gangster. No, I'm no, just saying, what are you saying? <laughs> I'm saying you're picking like 20 guys to win three events. Surely you're going to get hit one of them. I had one guy for the PGA offered you two <laughs> options for the U.S. Open. Settle down, Petal. <laughs> Settle down. All right. Well, on that note, uh, we've got Ryder Cup coming up and we've got Masters coming up. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If. Ready PG. And we're back. All right, gentlemen, we've gone through the PGA Championship. We've gone through the U.S. Open. Let's talk Ryder Cup. Uh, this one, I think, is kind of an even more unique situation because it is now going to be the week immediately after the U.S. Open. Also, we don't even know who's going to be on the team yet. Uh, yeah. But the, the, US, the U.S. squad is minus 150 to the Europeans plus 150. So the Americans are uh, favorites here. Now, uh, Greg, let's start with you. Um, I don't imagine having this played right after the U.S. Open. Guys hopping straight from winged foot uh, to whistling straights is going to be an issue of any type. But, like, it's going to be fun for us, right? We're going to see back-to-back, like, unbelievable golf tournaments. These are unique circumstances, and I think everybody's on board. I think everybody will understand. It's probably not great for a Tiger Woods, um, but I think, mm. I think everybody's going to be fine with it. The, the issue is, it's not just, if you look at the schedule now, it's not just that it's U.S. Open and then Ryder Cup. That plane ride, I mean, these guys, the guys that are making a Ryder Cup team can handle that. The issue is, well, what's before that? You're, you're looking at a pretty good run of, uh, of PGA Tour events, a tour championship that finishes on, I think it's the 7th. I think it's Monday the 7th. So, you know, just, just 10 days before this starts. And... It, it's going to be a lot of golf in a really tight window. Now, who, who does that favor in the Ryder Cup? Is there anything that makes you say the U.S. other than the team? I mean, yeah, they have the better team, but every, every time it's proven that that doesn't seem to matter too much. I, I can read you the teams right now, uh, for, well, at least where they would currently be. So the U.S. squad very quickly is Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed, Gary Woodland. Xander Shoffley, Webb Simpson, Justin Thomas, Tiger Woods, Tony Finau's the ninth, and then immediately behind that is Kucher, Bryson, Patrick Cantlay. The European squad is a lot more wide open uh, with the way they do their points, but right now it would be Tommy Fleetwood, John Rahm, Rory McIlroy, Victor Perez, 
Terrell Hatton, Danny mm. Willett, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Lee Westwood, Burned Viesberger. Kyle, uh, that is, to me, significantly advantage Americans, but that, that Europe team is not close to being, to being finished. I, I'm never going to pick the Americans again after, <laughs> after, what, after what happened in Paris. I, I just I, – I can't do it. Here, here's my thing, though. Like, when we're talking about the Ryder Cup, you know, we, we kind of started off this show talking about, okay, if we can get – even without fans, like, let's have tournaments. I, I don't think you should play the Ryder Cup without fans. And, and I think that even if golf is back and, like, we play the U.S. Open and we do all this stuff – just just bump the Ryder Cup because a Ryder Cup without fans is just it's it would be the weirdest thing ever I mean can you can you imagine I mean just what they had the 16 Ryder Cup on Golf Channel today and I, I can't even imagine what it would be like without fans I, I just think that I don't know I, I'm gonna I'm gonna die on that hill because that's one of my favorite event it is my favorite event in sports and I don't want them to play it without people there Hey, uh, the PGA are not going to let the Ryder Cup go away. I mean, that is their biggest event. It's a global deal. It, that thing is not moving. I hate to say that to you, Kyle. Well, then play it, play it two years in a row. Play it in 21 and 22. I, I don't, I don't care. I, I'm not saying to cancel it. I'm just saying to bump it. You still get the money. I mean, you defer it a year, but the, the PGA of America and, and European Tour, whatever, I don't know if they make any money off of a U.S. Ryder Cup. Probably not, but... You can still keep the regular schedule, just bump it to 21 and 22, and then you're back on track. Mark, I'm looking, I'm, sc- I'm just scrolling quickly through the results, and I, it looks like the United States has not defended on American soil back to back for it's been a while. Okay. They, you know, they can do it once. It's tough for them to go back to back at home. Why, why does the European squad seem so much better at Ryder Cups? Is it like, is it preparation? Is it that sometimes they just come in with like that underdog mentality and just like, that's, we talk about that a lot in sports where um, kind of like a hungry, a, a hungry athlete, a, a scary athlete, uh, one that has their back against the wall. I just feel like the, the European squad is so much better at this. Well, Ian Poulter sort of told us this on this podcast. And if folks haven't heard the podcast, they need to go and search first cut with Ian Poulter because why well, I think it was you, Kyle, you asked him, you're like, would you give up captaincy of the Ryder Cup for for what was it? For a Masters, I think your question yeah. was. And yeah. he looked at both of us like, no. <laughs> and he pointed to the uniform that he had on a mannequin in the corner of his office. He walked us around there showing us all of the Ryder Cup memorabilia. I mean, there's just something about that Ryder Cup because the Ryder Cup under Tony Jacklin, when they finally beat the Americans, because it was a whipping for the first how many editions but when it became team europe versus team united states it became a thing with sevi and feldo and and all of these guys coming along there jose maria and you know legends of european golf and that started something just like you know kids over here watching the masters on tv kids in europe started watching their heroes whip up on the americans and let's be honest ever since a number of folks moved over to the united states to get away from england there's sort of been this us against you mentality and they carry that and it's deep and it runs so deep through these guys' veins. So there's something about them that they want to get up for this thing. Um, to the addition at the Whistling Straits, um, you would think that the, the look of the golf course being sort of linksy in a way would suit them. But at the last PGA Championship when Jason Day won, I think in the top 10, there was only one European player. 
and that was Justin Rose. Otherwise, it was a bunch of Americans playing well. Um, so I think for the Euros to have a go over there, to play well, they always seem to get up for it. But to play well, they need some bad weather. And, and if that happens, I feel like, you know, their chances are raised. But as you lost me now, I'll take the Euros, the underdogs, and the bet all day long. All right, Mark, Mark on the Euros. Kyle, it sounded like you were on the Euros too, right, by the fact that you're never betting the Americans again. Yeah. Is that the yeah. exact quote you could roll, You could roll 12 <laughs> Victor Perez's out there, and I would pick the European team. And, uh, <laughs> Greg, did we get your pick? I mean, I, I honestly, like, I understand the, uh, the aesthetic, but uh, whistling straights with bombers of the American squad, you'd think would be an edge. I'm, I don't think I want to bet it, but where did you stand on this, Greg? What was your final? Ah, man. I mean, my look, I I look, I think this is about more than the golf course, more than the golf course setup. Uh, Whistling straights will be, there will not be much rough. I would imagine if Steve Stricker does what he should do, there won't be very much rough. It'll be very wide. um, And, and it will be an advantage for the Americans. That being said, it's not that much of an advantage for the Americans. You still have some really long hitters on the European side. uh, And these guys, they, they just, they're more accurate. That's not necessarily a disadvantage. Um, and, and I worry about this European team. You have a guy like Lee Westwood, a guy like Bern Wiesberger in the mix here. Uh, it, and these players, to me, have a, a little bit of an edge. It's a lot more to what Mark was speaking about, to uh, how much they care about it, to me. And at least that's what it looks like on TV. I, I think that plays a much bigger role than the venue that we play. I do think, you know, Greg talking about Lee Westwood, they're kind of kind of reminded me of this i think i think the europeans are one of these years they're going to get caught with sergio and stenson and rose and westwood on a team that they shouldn't be on just because they're going to include them up until it's it's already over right and they should like that's what they should do i i I don't think they should do anything different but they're going to get caught at some point doing that i don't know if it would be this year Maybe it's the next time. Those guys are all around 40, into their 40s. And that's going to be a problem because that's been the heart of your team for so long. And it's going to be gone for those guys at some point. And, and they're, going to, they're, going to have a, they're going to have a real problem putting everything on Rory and Rom and Fleetwood. And they're just going to be overwhelmed by how much talent but the that, Americans That's have. a really good point. But as you look back through previous teams, from the first edition, that team that finally knocked off the Americans, and the heart of that team was Langer, Feldo, Olathebel, and Sevi. And they were for a while. Then you add Colin Montgomery. Then Jose Maria falls out and becomes a cap. Sevi becomes a captain and Jose Maria. And there's always been this nucleus that has somehow grown. And the nucleus right now, because your point is very well founded about Henrik and about Justin Rose and certainly Lee Westwood, who's in the twilight of his career. But look at who's coming in behind him. Rory, I mean, that guy can carry the world on his shoulders. John Rahm wants to carry the world on his shoulders. And then you've got Tommy Fleetwood mixed in there. And then you've got some, so, some young gritty stars who are good match players. And I'll draw your attention to Matthew Fitzpatrick. Even though he got dusted badly in his first Ryder Cup, uh, that guy is all game and and you know you got these guys that are starting to assume the mantle of being now the leaders in the locker room and they've always got a nucleus that they seem to want to rely on i'd like to hear the thoughts going through brooks kepka's head if he gets a singles match against matthew fitzpatrick that'd be that would be delightful <laughs> probably just ask him probably just tell us it's pretty pretty open <laughs> uh all right so Ryder, you can ask that question in the next media center that you're in Kyle. <laughs> 
That might be, be a while. Be a while. <laughs> you'll, you'll be doing uh, answer, questions and answers by Zoom uh, moving forward. Yeah, uh, yeah. All right. So let's go to <laughs> Augusta now. Obviously, the Masters uh, earmarked for November 12th, that week, 12th to the 15th. Greg, we've, we've already kind of talked a lot about how a November Masters may benefit some guys. Um, there's also a real chance that it's not that different than April, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, so I've heard, I've heard some varying reports. I've heard a little bit colder. I've heard it'll be a little sure. bit colder. I've heard, I've also heard it's, it'll be as similar as it could be other if it weren't in April. If it's not going to be in April, having it in this slot in November is just as similar. So I, I kind of go back and forth. Some of the players seem to think it's going to play very long because it'll be, uh, it'll be wet. But my research then tells me that, uh, that November is the driest month of the year in, in that area of the world. So I, I kind of have some conflicting reports, and I'm not sure what to make of it. I know that it's a great golf course. I know it'll be in great shape. I know it'll play similar. I, I don't think you're going to see anything vastly different than what you see in April. Will there be differences? Yes. Will it be vastly different other than looks? I don't, I don't know if it's going to play all that different. So uh, I, I am, I guess the thing that sticks out to me is what is the schedule? What's the tournament schedule leading up to masters? How much are guys playing and what are, what are the opportunities look like for them to prepare for the tournament? I'm, I'm sure there'll be plenty in, in that wraparound season. Real quick, Mark, you're in that neck of the woods. Uh, you're, you're in that region. Uh, I, I, I see November, like you could get a seasonal, seasonably warm week. You could get, yeah, it could be chilly. What, what, what are we talking about here? Uh, golf courses are great uh, <laughs> yeah. in, in Georgia in October and certainly into early November. In early November, it can get blustery and the wind does switch directions. Um, it starts to come in from the north a little bit more where typically the winds here in the summertime come out of the southeast, which warms it up. And, and so it'll be chilly in the mornings, but it can be, you know, unseasonably, unseasonably warm. The big thing for me, the way the golf course will play is, you know, everyone thinks there's a bunch of rain. October is very dry around you, and, and Greg nailed it. Uh, November is a dry month too. You can get rain, but it's not like um, springtime rain you might get you. I mean, we had an absolute gully washer, as they talk, as they call it down here, just a few days ago. <laughs> I mean, it a gully if, washer? <laughs> yeah, or a frog strangler. Have you heard about that? Right. That's, that's what they call. <laughs> I learned two <laughs> new sayings today. <laughs> so we had a frog strangler, and it would have, it would have conceivably in this year's edition of the masters, if it did happen last week, I, I can see us having to have finished on Monday as much as what it rained. So the golf course can play significantly softer in um, springtime than what it will, what it's likely to play. You never know with nature, obviously. And so with the golf course playing with a northerly wind, playing a little firmer, it's going to be just difficult. It'll be downright hard. And, and so it's going to be a really stout test, I think in November. I love it. Well, uh, Kyle, we'll, we'll start with you and your picks on this then. Um, actually, we'll start with me. So I, I, <laughs> I mean, I'll just, get, I'll just get mine out of the way. I'll just get mine out of the way. Um, I, I look at someone like Justin Rose, who outside of last year, missing the cut, has had a, a great record around, around Augusta. And mm -hmm. this – I, I hate to say this this break like there's winners and losers out of it, but a guy who just dropped his Hanma clubs, or at least his irons, I don't know if it was the whole bag, 
uh, and is now probably getting extra time to work through something. I think some time off in front of a simulator with, with some clubs trying to figure everything out is probably good for someone like him. And I just think he's too good. We're like 12 months from, I don't even know if it's been that long since he's been the number one player in the world down to 25 to one. I, I think Justin Rose, when golf comes back, will be in a much better place than where he was maybe six months ago. Yeah. I like that. I, I think you can almost draw a line. So there's like 20, there's 21 guys at 33 to one or better. And then beyond that, you've got the you got Phil at forty. You've got uh, Frank Molinari at fifty. Stenson, Leishman, Ustazen, Kucher, Sergio, all at fifty. It's just hard for me to envision one of those guys winning it. So I almost feel like you can draw a line the top twenty or top twenty-one. And I like the guys at the bottom of that. There's like the the Fowler, the Hideki. Uh, both of those guys have played well there in the past. Webb, again, is kind of right in there. Paul Casey's got a great record there. I, I don't know. It's hard for me because when I envision the Masters, it, it is a little difficult to like for me in my head to envision Hideki winning it or Paul Casey winning it. Not because they haven't been good, but I'm just like, okay, late on Sunday, can I envision them closing it out? And I, I don't know. Some of those guys, you just um, imagine, imagine both those guys with like a 12 footer on 18. I know. I know. Like, no I know. <laughs> so then you go to like the, the Patrick Cantlay, the 25 to one Adam Scott at 28 is interesting. I think I, I just keep going back to this guy uh, and it's Rom at 12. It's not a great number um, just cause it's, it's so low or so high. I, I don't never know how to say that, but um, I'd rather it be like 15 or 18, but I really like, I really like John Rahm Augusta. I think he's going to win a Masters at some point. I like that too. I, I don't know how to say it either. So I say it's either short or okay. long. So I say that number is too short because I have no idea how to say it otherwise. Um, I like that too. <laughs> uh, Greg, let's go over to you. Um, I, I, there are some names in here for guys I know you like. I know it. I'm just, I'm just thinking in my head which one of these guys you're going to pick. Okay. So um, there's a lot of guys that – interests me again web simpson really interests me i know you ran your simulation and if it happened in april web, baby web simpson would have been your winner right so i'm i'm a huge fan of web and i think that i think he and paul tesori have figured something out on the golf course i, I think they understand i think something has clicked uh with that golf course i, I think web can handle it now again you don't know how it's going to play you don't know if you're going to get a frog strangler or anything nice. like that <laughs> we'll have to keep our eye out for it uh, that being said, guy we we've left out, and I think by this time he's going to be fully healthy. Uh, he's a he's a, a a clutch back nine player who knows what it takes to win a major championship, and it's Brooks Kepka. And I just I don't think you can rule him out. I think uh, it, it, the golf course suits his game very well. I don't think it matters what the conditions are like. I think he is the toughest player. And, you know, there are some guys that would give him a good run for his money, but I think he's the toughest player on the PGA Tour right now. And Brooks is a guy that I feel like people are sleeping on. And he's given us good reason to sleep on him. But I think come November, I think Brooks Kepp is going to be ready to go. Yeah. The, time, the time might help him too. Mark, I want to get your pick here for the Masters. But first, I've got three guys that are all the same odds, and I want you to choose between them, Mark. Um, and they're all 500 to 1. It's Bernhard Langer, Fred, Fred Couples, and Trevor Immelman. <laughs> I think we already got your answer on that one. Uh, 500 to 1. That's pretty good. Yeah. Well, 
Well, look, in, <laughs> in the previous three podcasts we've done this thing, I said to him, I'm going to put a, I said to you guys, a I'm going to put a dollar on Trevor. Yeah. And just because Carl made the snarky comment about me going with guys inside of the top 20 or whatever it is, <laughs> I was going to say I'm going with Trevor on this pick anyway. <laughs> but I can't resist. I mean, look, Rory said as much the other day in a comment to, I don't know who it was. I think it might've been the guys at Sky Sports where he said, I have a feeling that the Masters in November is going to suit mm. me. And, and when, when a yeah. player starts talking like that, then you know there's something on the boil. And because, again, the golf course will play with that north wind. It plays different. Because with the north wind, three of the four par fives play into the wind. So someone like Webb, who I love, and I loved your simulation, <laughs> I was asked by HQ to justify the winning. And so I was reaching there. But anyway, <laughs> um, so I said Webb, on the fives, if you wedge the ball well, you can. We saw Zach Johnson win there, not hitting a par five in two the entire week. Right. My brother had a rule when he won that he was only going to go for a par five if he had four iron or less in his hand. So he had a number of wedges in there too. He shot 10 under par and one. So, so, so with the golf course playing a little longer, the par fives into the wind, I'm going with the guys that can drive it. I mean, so, so McElroy's telling us, I like the look of this thing. But with him eight to one, I'm just a little farther down with Dustin Johnson at 14 to one. I mean, the guy just, it's, it's like the golf course was built for him. And every time he shows up there, if he doesn't slip down the stairs, you know, he's going to be a factor. So, so at 14, at, <laughs> allegedly, at 14 to one, look, I'm, I'm, I'm finding it hard to turn my eyes away from Rory because that would be fantastic. And the story would be so cool. And I'm looking forward to Carl, what he's going to write about it, because he might be giddy. In fact, I might rush from my broadcast position to file, find Carl Porter and put a glass of wine in his hand. I'm like, go after it, boy, because this one I could might, be good. I might, in, I might end up but writing I, a book. Here, here's how Rory wins the Masters. They bring in each of the 96 guys, and they just play four rounds in a row, just on their own, like nobody else is there. And so they only have like three, like, you know, two or three people on the course. So he plays his four rounds. He doesn't know what anybody else's score is. And that's how he ends up winning the Masters. That would be the, that would be the formula. That is interesting because I've asked him and he, he, he likes to watch leaderboards. He's like, yeah, well, I know exactly what's going on because I'm watching. Um, so, but, so I'm finding it hard to turn my eyes away from Rory, but, but Dustin, I have, you know, at 14 to one, he's attractive. I actually got the Rory vibe too. I saw that quote and he said something like, maybe this is what I need or something like that to move it to November. And I was like, I'm, I got the tingles right now. If he starts, <laughs> if he starts feeling it, like it's over and, and, and maybe that's what he needs. Just needs a different mindset. He says, Hey, this is a different tournament. I can win this one. Uh, that was, that was really cool. I tell you what, if he wins, man, my Thanksgiving dinner, I'm actually going to give thanks for Rory McIlroy winning the masters. Cause that'll well, make think- yeah, <laughs> I would too. I think there's a scenario in which it, it, maybe it's Rory, but maybe it's somebody else. I mean, we've got, if all this stuff plays out, we've got seven majors in 12 months. If you get like, I mean, if you're playing the best golf of your life for an extended period of time, you could run off like three or four of these things. I mean, Patrick Cantley might end up in the Hall of Fame after I know. seven months. I know. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. I mean, Sungjae is going to fulfill my prophecy of his, him being the, the second greatest player of all time. I mean, it, it's, it's, I don't know. I think there's an opportunity for somebody like a Rory, even like a Webb. I was thinking about this earlier. He's playing the best golf of his life, playing just unbelievable golf, the, the better than he's ever played in his career. And you're going to get so many shots at it that if you're playing well, 
you can almost just kind of fall into one. I mean, that's not how it goes in, in these individual events, but it just seems like there's such an opportunity to run off a, a two, three, or, or maybe even four of these for some of the best guys. That I love that because the hot if take you, by Porter it must be the jacket. That's a great take because yeah, like I mean I don't remember what the numbers are, but Jason Day had that 17 month stretch where he won like yeah. nine times. If if there were seven majors in that in that in that eight month span yeah. or whatever, oh my gosh, Wait. it would have been it would have been unbelievable. Tiger, Tiger, I was just—is this what it takes for Jordan Spieth to win ten majors? I saw that guy. <laughs> uh, hey, well, look, you were saying Jason had that 17 month stretch or whatever. You, Tiger had what, like a 10 year stretch when he won? <laughs> that's 17 true. year. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's true. I think he's still in yeah. it, actually. Um, all right, gentlemen. Well, that was a lot of fun. Uh, so just to recap the Masters, uh, everybody gets the warm and tingles uh, when Rory's name gets up there. But uh, Greg likes Brooks. Uh, Kyle hey, Rory uh, agrees. Interested in John Rom, Bobblehead Rory agrees. Uh, I like Justin Rose and uh, DJ for Mark Immelman. Uh, make sure for all the hottest takes, follow these guys on Twitter. <laughs> Greg, do charm at the real GFD. Mark uh, Immelman, excuse me, at Mark underscore Immelman. Kyle Porter at Kyle Porter CBS. I'm at Rick Rungood. Make sure you rate and review the First Cut Pod. Leave it five stars wherever you get your podcast. Helps out in a big way. This has been the First Cut, and we'll talk to you next time.